0: Amen. Now, I will tell you, I think this is two weeks in a row I've done it. Did did someone take up the offering while that song was going on? All right, that's two weeks in a row I forgot to take up the offering. So, at this time, if the ushers want to go ahead and take up the offering, I will tell you, I feel like I've already been at church today. And it has been such a blessing to be able to worship. And I will say, one of the songs that we did was a special request for me because we've been at camp meeting all this week and I cannot imagine a camp meeting where we don't sing I'll Fly Away. It's, it's a perfect camp meeting song, so we decided to cheat and add it to our list for this morning, so praise the Lord for the opportunity to do that. I do want to just take a moment and welcome. We have uh, the Rhodes family with us today, and I don't normally call people out, but uh, Pastor Rhodes retired last Sunday from a Wesleyan church up in Easley, and it is such a blessing to have you with us. That is... Uh, don't hold it against them, but that is Mike's mom and dad. Uh, so it is such a blessing to have them with us today. It's always great to uh, have other ministers who can be a part of what's going on here. I will tell you, it's been a great morning already, but I do believe it's about to get better, not because I'm preaching, but because we're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to allow it to speak to us. You know, a little over two weeks ago, an Ocean View apartment collapsed in Miami, Florida. Every one of you probably has seen it on the news as hundreds of residents were already asleep for the night. I would imagine that as many of those residents and guests laid down for bed that night that they had made plans for what they would accomplish the next day. But for them, the next day tomorrow would never come. Life is short and for some, It is actually even shorter. Over the years I have done hundreds of funerals. The deceased have ranged in age from an infant to just over a hundred years of age. Some have died of natural causes, some as a result of poor choices of their own, others the result of unfortunate circumstances. Obviously there are many other causes that I could list but the point is that death comes for each of us. We are not guaranteed another day. So we must live every day as if this will be our last. In the book of Job chapter 14 verse 5, it says of the Lord, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live and we are not given a minute longer. When death comes knocking on your door. Will you be ready to answer it? But there is a way to avoid death. For generations, humanity has been seeking door number two. But what's behind door number two? Do any of you remember the old TV show called The Price is Right? They'd offer you a prize, but then they would give you an alternative. You could take the prize that you've already received, or you could trade it in for what's behind door number two. And then behind door number two, you'd either find some magical vacation, or a new car, or an old worthless goat. Well, you don't have to worry about what's behind door number two. You don't have to worry about whether or not There's an old worthless goat that is back there because the truth is the prize you've received is not all that great to begin with. Death is not something that anyone looks forward to. Who wants to have to go through that? For us, what waits behind door number two is actually something that is beautiful. It is the return of Jesus Christ. Even in the New Testament church, There were those who anticipated the coming return of Christ as if it were going to happen during their own lifetimes, thereby avoiding death. As Christ's first coming approached, it was John the Baptist who charged the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus himself said, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's Matthew 24, verse 30 to 31. In fact, throughout the entirety of Scripture, there is no single event that is spoken of more frequently than the great day of judgment. It was seen that every other event, every other circumstance within the Word of God is seen through the lens of looking forward to the day of Christ's return. It's spoken of directly in the Old Testament books of Isaiah, Joel. Micah, Zephaniah, Jeremiah, Amos, Ezekiel, Daniel, Job, Hosea, Malachi, and Zechariah. They all speak of the day of the Lord. And of course, Jesus and Peter and Paul and John also speak often in the New Testament of the coming day of the Lord. I'll just add one more thing about this. Know that many of those biblical references are not seen as a negative experience. We're talking about the day of the Lord, and it doesn't have to be something that causes incredible fear. For example, the last Old Testament book that I mentioned was Zechariah. As the day of the Lord is described, listen to the hope and the promise that comes with it. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. Sing and rejoice. The day of the Lord should be an opportunity for us to rejoice. And in the New Testament, we see the promise of deliverance with no more crying, no more pain, as well as the much anticipated words of well done, good and faithful servant. So this doesn't have to be a fearful, painful experience, yet for many, it will be. The harsh reality is that the scriptures indicate that many will not be able to rejoice over the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 13, that you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And For those who are not yet ready to meet the Lord on that day, they will fully understand the words of Joel chapter 2 verse 31, which describes the day of the Lord as both great and terrible. For those who have not already surrendered to Jesus Christ, they will very quickly become accustomed to darkness, to sorrow, to pain and death. Surely it will be a great and terrible day. Listen to the words of Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15, as we see what will happen on the day of judgment. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So I share all of this to begin with today. I'm not even to my first point yet. (laughs) I share all of this to begin with today not to scare you, although maybe some of us do need to be scared this morning, but rather to simply point out what is to come. The reality is that a day will come for every person in, in this room where we will either die or the Lord will come back at that point. And at that point, we will either be ready or we will not be ready. This is simply a reality check for some of us. None of us are immortal. I remember as a young person, I used to think I was immortal. I would drive from central South Carolina. to My mom lived in Alexandria, Virginia. My goal was to make sure that nobody passed me the entire trip. So I would drive, it didn't matter what speed other people were doing. My goal was to make sure nobody passed me. I was a fool. As a college student, there were times we'd go bridge jumping from about three stories up. Never even thought about it. I thought I was immortal. We would shoot fireworks at each other, not just, you know, we just did Fourth of July we have a great time with seeing the fireworks explode, we would shoot them at each other. It's because, yeah, no, we sent them out already, it's okay. We would do things as if we were immortal, but the truth is none of us are immortal. All of humanity has known that for centuries, the mortality rate in America and every other country in the world is 100%. We will die. Of course there have been those who tried to beat death. Spanish explorer Ponce de Leon was said to have searched for the mythical fountain of youth over 500 years ago. In fact, it was 1913 or I'm sorry, 2013 that it marked 500 years. Historians tell us that many others throughout history have searched for such mythical waters, the first notably being Alexander the Great. We don't always associate him with that, but that was one of the things that he sought. But such waters do not exist in this world. Hebrews 9.27 declares that for each of us a time is appointed that we will die and we cannot change that. Even with all the advancements in medical technology, one may be able to extend life for a time, but the day will come when even that will no longer work. We are all mortal, and this world will one day come to an end. While I was on sabbatical, one question that I pondered constantly was this. Do I still believe that the Lord could come back today or tomorrow? Do I still believe that today could be my last? Or do I no longer expect the end to come anytime soon? I came to the conclusion that most of us who call ourselves Christians, would quickly declare that, yes, we do believe that tomorrow could be the day of Christ's return. We recognize the fragile nature of this world and realize that it could be our last any day. However, most of us live as if it will not be. To a point, I understand that you need to know that we are not the first generation that has been told that the return of Christ could be around the next corner. It is believed by most theologians that Judas actually betrayed Christ for the purpose of forcing his hand so that he might set up his kingdom then and there. And in Matthew 24, the disciples specifically asked Jesus when he would set up his kingdom. And what signs they should be looking for. Then throughout the New Testament epistles, we see repeated references to the belief that the second coming would happen in their own lifetimes. In 1 John 2.18, it was John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who declared that it is the last hour. There is no doubt that for generations, humanity has been awaiting the second coming of Christ. It's also understandable that as time passes and the return of Christ has not occurred, that people might begin to doubt that it will ever come at all. But it will come. In fact, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 13:11 in the New Living Translation. He says, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, logic states that as we live every day, we are closer to the return of Christ than we were before. So you need to get ready. Jesus said in multiple gospels that the day of the Lord will come Like a thief in the night. That means it will happen at a time when you and I least expect it. I remember several years ago while living in Delaware, there have been several vehicle break-ins in our neighborhood. In fact, on two Friday nights in a row, my car was broken into. I'm sure the thieves were very disappointed with what they got from me as I rarely keep anything of value in my car I remember one Saturday morning I came out to discover that my glove box had been emptied. There was a bottle of water that was missing from inside the tr- uh, the car and about a dollar and 50 cents worth of quarters. You went through all of that and all you got was a bottle of water and a dollar and 50 cents. Well after the second week in a row of this, I decided that the next Friday night I would stay up and I would wait for these thieves to come back. So I sat up all night in my living room, looking out the window, holding on to a little BB gun, (laughs) thinking that somehow that was going to help me. And wouldn't you know it, nobody came. According to Christ, by the way, it's probably good they didn't come if all I had was a BB gun. According to Christ, the second coming will be somewhat like that. It's not going to happen when everyone is expecting it. In fact, Jesus says that no one knows the day nor the hour except the Father himself in heaven. And the call is for us to simply be ready at all times so that whenever that day arrives, we will be ready to go. I will say that there are certain signs that tell us that time could be very near. In fact, I referenced Matthew 24 earlier as the disciples asked Jesus when his return would take place. Listen to some of the signs that Jesus warns about. There are actually about 30 verses which expand on this. I'm not going to read them all to you. I'll just read verses four through eight for right now. Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom." There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Let me just touch on the signs that are mentioned here in these few verses for a moment. The first is that many will come in my name, deceiving many. There was a time that it was actually fairly easy to recognize the false prophets that were out there. You remember many, many years ago, I, I, I honestly don't remember, there was a guy named David Koresh with the Branch Davidians down in Waco, Texas. We would look at him and say, oh, that's a false prophet. Obviously, it was before my time. Remember the guy, Jim Jones? Misled a lot of people we would look and say, well, those are false prophets. There is no doubt those are the individuals that we must be talking about here in this passage. But I want to suggest to you today that maybe the false prophets are not the ones that we so readily recognize. The sad reality is that we see this happening right before our very eyes today. The result is that Everybody has a different perspective on what Christianity should look like. I mentioned last week that it's time for God's people to leave tolerance behind, yet many have embraced tolerance as a Christian value. Add to that the fact that many Christian leaders have embraced organizations that view nothing but hate and immorality, as well as fear of offending others and we see a very new version of Christianity that really does not look like the version we see in God's Word. Don't be misled by the many Christ, the false Christs that are out there. Jesus goes on to speak of wars and rumors of war. I am 48 years of age, and I don't know that there's ever been a time in my life that war was not taking place. Yes, much of it has been in other lands, but it has been constant, and it will be a constant until the day of Christ's return. Add to that Jesus' reference to nation rising against nation, and I wonder if he is referencing the internal fighting within various nations. Throughout the years, we've seen it. and It has resulted in divided nations, like East and West Germany, North and South Korea, as well as several Eastern European nations. Last year, although we may not like to look at it this way, but we saw it flare up with constant riots in the streets of the United States. And even today, we see it throughout the nation of Cuba. Jesus then adds a couple of natural disasters. He talks of earthquakes and famines. I was reading this week that on average, several hundred earthquakes occur each day, with most of them being a magnitude two or lower, which means most people typically don't even notice them. A magnitude of seven earthquake occurs about once per month, and those with a magnitude of at least eight occur about once per year, causing significant destruction. And although we have fought for generations to stand against famine, it still exists. It just moves. It's in this region today, and tomorrow it'll be somewhere else, but famine will still exist. The point is that all these things which Jesus foretold are happening right now. So yes, we don't know when the Lord will return, but the signs are in place already so we need to get ready. The first thing that we must do to get ready is to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. I read from Revelation 20 verse 15 earlier, which declared that anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. That is the judgment of God. If you really believe that the judgment of God could be tomorrow then you need to make sure that you are ready for it. I talked about repentance last week and the fact that this is not just for those who are out there, those who are outside of the church. It is for us too. If your life is still dominated by sin, then it is time for you to repent. Speaking of heaven, as we talk about The Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation 21, 27, Colby read it earlier, says that nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you are still living in your sin, if you are still doing what is shameful and deceitful, I don't care if you've been at church every Sunday for the last 50 years. It is time for you to repent. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you believe that the Lord could come back today, then you need to make sure you're ready for that. There's one other thing that I challenge you with as you get ready. If you genuinely believe that tomorrow could be the last day for all of humanity, if you believe that it could be the last day and you might die or that others might die, then who would you need to talk to today? Do you need to make peace with somebody? I remember getting a phone call, I believe it was about nine years ago regarding my dad's impending death. It was the first night of a camp meeting and I was the camp evangelist, which means that I could not go and be with him. I and my sister had personally already made peace with my dad and I even shared the gospel with him, but my brother had not made peace. My sister was the one who called me and informed me that he was in a hospital in Phoenix, Arizona, it didn't take long for me to figure out that I wasn't going to make it. I was actually preaching in Redding, Pennsylvania at a camp there. I asked if she had contacted my brother yet, and she said no. She knew that there was much bitterness due to my dad's poor life choices, so I said, you know what, I'm going to call him anyways. I hung up the phone with my sister, and I contacted my brother. He answered, and I told him that I had just received word that my dad was in the hospital in Phoenix, Arizona, and that he wasn't going to make it. On the other end of the phone, there was silence. My brother said nothing, and for just a second, I wondered if he had hung up on me (laughs) or if he was wondering why I was calling him. Because there was great bitterness between them, and they had never made peace. So I asked if he was still there. (laughs) I heard him sigh. He said, yeah, you're not going to believe where I am right now. My brother lives in the Pittsburgh area. It's actually in a, it's basically an Amish town. He's about the only one who's not Amish. It's about, about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And my brother was on a business trip In Phoenix, Arizona, nearly 20 years had passed since the last time my dad and my brother had seen each other, but realizing that tomorrow could be his last day, my brother visited my dad that night in the hospital, and they made peace with each other although I will always be viewed as the good son. I want to make that really clear. As most of you know, my brother is actually my identical twin brother. And as he walked into the room, my dad immediately responded with, Mike, you came. (laughs) My brother very quickly informed him that it wasn't Mike. It was Wally. I wonder... If there aren't those whom we need to make peace with today, what if tomorrow never comes for those around us, or maybe for us? Too many of us have allowed bitterness and anger and ugliness to simmer in our lives to the point truthfully, we don't even know what it is to know the love of Christ. Oh, we looked apart. Yeah, we come to church and everybody smiles and every, everybody acts like they're as godly as can be when they're here. But man, if that person walked in the room right now, you'd like to just go punch them in the throat. Because that bitterness has continued to build over the years. Maybe it's time for some of us to go make peace with those that we do not have peace peace with today. Who do you need to call as soon as you get out of this service? Maybe it's not as much about making peace with others so much as it is about helping our friends and family make peace with the Lord. Last week, I preached about Josiah and the fear of God that suddenly fell upon him when he realized that the judgment of God was about to fall upon the people of Israel. If you'll remember, he immediately called an assembly of the entire nation, and the book of the law was read aloud to everyone, and they collectively repented of their sin. On the day of Pentecost, As described in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a convicting, spirit-filled message that led the people to ask, what must we do to be saved? Peter didn't call them to think about what he said. He didn't call them to talk to their friends about it. He called them to immediately repent and be saved baptized, so that their sins might be forgiven. The time is now for us to repent. In 1871, America was a very different place. The Civil War had recently come to a close and people were hungry for something real. One night in October of 1871, a young preacher named D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, was preaching on the north side of Chicago. As he was preaching, the city fire bell rang out. Nobody thought much of it, as these bells often rang out with very little impact. Having wrapped up his sermon... He encouraged the people to come back the next evening, as he had something very important to share with them. He planned to share the gospel with them. The problem was that many would not be able to return the next evening. As the fire bells that rang out for what would become known, they rang out for what would become known as the Great Chicago Fire, where thousands would perish. It is said that this became a turning point in D.L. Moody's ministry, as he realized that he could not afford to wait another day before telling those he loved about Jesus for tomorrow might never come. My conclusion at the end of my sabbatical was this. If I really believe that the Lord could come back today, then I need to make sure that I am ready now. And if I really believe that the Lord could come back tomorrow, then I need to make sure that my friends and family are ready today. Who do you need to call and share Jesus with today? Who needs to hear your story? Who has God placed in your life that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they will be ready whenever that day comes? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. First thing I want to address with you, with every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe there are some in here today that either you have never received Christ as your Savior, or you said that prayer and you are like the people of Josiah and his day, where even though you're still a part of the family of God, you need to repent. It is time for us to make our lives right. If the Lord were to come back today, are you ready? If the answer to that question is no, then today must be the day of salvation. Today is the day to confess our sins, to repent of our sins, and to allow the Spirit of God to fill us and to transform us. So in just a moment, I'm going to open up the altar and I'm going to invite you to come. But I also would like to invite you, if perhaps you know that you're ready, but there are specific people that the Lord has laid upon your heart today that you need to be sharing the gospel with. Maybe you've got a family member, a son, a daughter, a spouse, and you love them very much. And your greatest desire is to see them in eternity, not only with you, but with Christ. And maybe today you simply need to come and to pray and say, God, I need you to intervene for my family. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker. I don't know who it is. But I want to encourage you to bring them before the Lord. I will tell you that the greatest revivals in the world always begin with prayer. So I invite you today first of all, if you are not ready, you need to get ready. If you are ready, I invite you to come and pray that God would open up a door, not just somewhere down the road, but today, tomorrow, whenever, very soon, so that you can share the good news with those around you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, head bound, eye closed still, can lead you in this, but I'm going to try. We're going to sing It Is Well With My Soul, just the chorus. If you know that's you, either you need to be right with the Lord or you have a loved one that you are praying for right now, I'm going to invite you to come as we sing the chorus of It Is Well. It is well with my soul. well, with my soul, father, as we come before you today, oh, well, we come so grateful for your grace, but well, we do not deserve the forgiveness of sin that has come our way. Lord, we come before you recognizing today that we are sinners. We have, we have so many times not lived up to the standard that you have called us to. And right now, I pray for the forgiveness of sin that comes only from your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you tell us in your word if we will confess our sin, that you are faithful and just. You will forgive that sin and cleanse us. So right now, I pray that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray that where we have been enslaved, you would set us free. I pray that where we have walked in a spirit of dryness, where it just feels like you're not even there, Lord, I pray that you would fill us to the point that we are overflowing with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would transform everything about us. Lord, give us the victory. Give us the freedom that comes in being children of God. But Lord, I also pray today not only for those who are here in our midst who need that forgiveness and grace, knowing that you are able to give it and you will give it freely. Lord, I also pray today for those whom we love. Lord, I do pray for our spouses, I pray for our children we watch the choices that they make and it breaks our hearts because we know that if you choose to come back today or tomorrow, right now they are not ready. And they need your grace. They need the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over their lives. And I pray today that you would intervene miraculously. That even now as we pray in this service, that you would already begin to speak to them that the Holy Spirit would move in their lives and that you would open up their hearts that they might surrender to you. But I also pray for the boldness of the Holy Spirit so that we can go and speak clearly the word of God, the love of God to them so that they can know that there is a hope. There is a door number two and it's a whole lot better than anything this world has to offer. Father, we come before you today, and we simply ask that you would use us. Would I pray that, that we would not even be able to rest until we have spoken the truth that needs to be spoken. Father, I prayed it at the beginning. Would I pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit so that we would become so transformed by your Spirit there would be nothing, nothing that could stop what you want to do here. Transform us, transform our families, transform the people that you've placed in our lives and make us ready so that when that day comes, we will not fear, but rather we will rejoice. We will hear the trumpet sound and we will see the clouds part and we will know that all the sorrow, all the pain, all the grief of this world is coming to an end. Well, we look forward to the day where we get to hear the angels sing, and we sing along with them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we look forward to that day. Lord, make us victorious today in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want y'all to know, y'all have no idea what God could do if his people genuinely would experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe today that not only would individuals be changed, but families would be changed, communities would be changed, and even this nation would be changed. I think for too many of us, the church, this isn't sermon time, sorry, but it's extra. I think for too many of us, the church has been anything but a representation of the Spirit of God, and it is time for that to change right now. May the Spirit of God fill you and work through you as you leave this place today. Go out as ministers, not just ministers of the gospel, but ministers of the gospel who have been filled with the Spirit of God, empowered to do much more than you ever could have done on your own. Go with the grace of God. Thank you. Go in peace.